The Orange Yellow Diamond by J. S. Fletcher. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter 4 The Platinum Solitaire. The newcomer, an elderly, thick set man, who, in spite of his plain clothes, looked as if he were an official of some sort and carried some documents in his hand at which he was glancing as he entered started and exclaimed as loriston in his haste ran up against him hello he said what's the matter you seem in a hurry young fellow loriston almost out of breath with excitement turned and pointed to the open door of the little parlor there's an old man lying in there dead he whispered a gray-bearded old man is it the pawnbroker, Mr. Multinius? The man stared, craned his neck to glance in the direction which Loriston's shaking finger indicated, and then started forward. But he suddenly paused and motioned Loriston to go first, and before following him he closed the street door. Now then, where? He said. Dead, you say? He followed Loriston into the parlor uttered a sharp exclamation as he caught sight of the recumbent figure, and bending down, laid a hand to the forehead. "'Dead right enough, my lad,' he muttered. "'Been dead some minutes, too. But where's the girl, the granddaughter? Have you seen anybody?' "'Not a soul,' answered Loriston. "'Since I came in, the whole place has been as still as—as as it is now.' The man stared at him for a second or two, silently then as if he knew the ins and outs of the establishment he strode to an inner door threw it open and revealed a staircase hello there he called loudly hello miss wildrose are you there this was the first time loriston heard zella's surname even in the midst of that startling discovery it struck him as a very poetical one but he had no time to reflect on it the man turned back into the parlor she must be out he said do you say you found him? Yes, I found him, answered Loriston. Just now. And what were you doing here? asked the man. Who are you? Loriston fancied he detected a faint note of suspicion in these questions, and he drew himself up with a flush on his face. My name is Andrew Loriston, he answered. I live close by. I came in on business. Who are you? Well, if it comes to that, my lad, said the man. I'm Detective Sergeant Askoff, known well around these parts. I came to see the old gentleman about these papers. Now, what was your business then? He was watching Loriston very keenly, and Loriston, suddenly realizing that he was in an awkward position, determined on candor. Well, if you really want to know, he said, I came to borrow some money on these rings and he opened his left hand and showed the detective the two rings which she had taken from his trunk not half an hour before. "'Your property?' asked Iskoff. "'Of course they're my property!' exclaimed Loriston. "'Whose else should they be?' Iskoff's glance wandered from the rings to a table which stood a little to one side in the middle of the parlour. Loriston turned in that direction also. Two objects immediately met his eye on the table stood a small tray full of rings not dissimilar in style and appearance to those which she held in his hand old-fashioned rings the light from the gas brackets above the mantelpiece caught the facets of the diamonds in those rings and made little points of fire 
here and there he saw the shimmer of pearls but there was another object close by the tray of old rings lay a book a beautifully bound book a small quarto in size with much elaborate gold ornament on the back and side and gilt clasps holding the heavy leather binding together it looked as if some hand had recently thrown this book carelessly on the table but Ivescoff gave little if any attention to the book his eyes were fixed on the rings in the tray and he glanced from them to loriston's rings hmm he said presently odd that you have a couple of rings young man just like those isn't it what do you mean demanded loriston flushing scarlet you don't suggest don't suggest anything just now answered the detective quietly but you must stop here with me until i find out more come to the door we must have help here loriston saw there was nothing to do but to obey and he followed eiskoff to the street door the detective opened it looked out and waiting a few minutes beckoned to a policeman who presently strolled along after a whispered word or two the policeman went away and eiskoff beckoned loriston back into the shop now he said there'll be some of our people and a surgeon along in a few minutes before they come just tell me your story you're an honest-looking young chap but you must admit that it looks a bit queer that i should find you running out of this shop old multanius dead inside his parlour and you with a couple of rings in your possession which look uncommonly like his property just tell me how it came about loriston told him the plain truth from the pawning of the watch to the present visit eiskoff watched him narrowly and at the end nodded his head oh, that sounds like a straight tale mr loriston he said i'm inclined to believe every word you say but i shall have to report it in all the circumstances and you'll have to prove that these two rings were your mother's and all that and you must stay here until the doctor comes with our people queer that the old man should be alone i wonder where his granddaughter is but just then the street door opened and zella came in a big bunch of flowers under one arm some small parcels in the other at the sight of the two men she started crimsoned as she saw loriston paled again as she noticed that eiskoff was evidently keeping an eye on him mr eiskoff she exclaimed what's this is something the matter what are you doing here she went on hurriedly turning to loriston inside the shop what's happened tell me one of you the detective purposely kept himself and Loriston between Zilla and the open door at the rear of the shop. He made a kindly motion of his head towards her. "'Now, my dear,' he said, "'don't get upset. Your grandfather was getting a very old man, you know, and we can't expect old gentlemen to live forever. Take it quietly now.' The girl turned and laid her flowers and parcels on the counter. Loriston, watching her anxiously, saw that she was nerving herself to be brave that means he's dead she said i am quiet you see i'm quiet tell me what's happened you tell me she added glancing at loriston tell me now i came in and found no one here and i looked round through the door into the parlour there answered loriston and i saw your grandfather lying on the floor so i jumped over the counter and went to him zilla moved forward as if to go into the parlour but the detective stopped her glancing from her to loriston you know this young man miss wildrose he asked you've met him before yes 
replied Zilla confidently. He's Mr. Lauriston. Let me go in there, please. Can nothing be done? But Eiskopf only shook his head. There was nothing to be done but to await the arrival of the doctor. They followed the girl into the parlor and stood by while she bent over the dead man. She made no demonstration of grief, and when Eiskopf presently suggested that she should go upstairs until the doctor had come, she went quietly away. Hadn't we better lift him on that sofa? suggested Loriston. Not till our people and the police surgeon have seen him, answered Eiskopf, shaking his head. I want to know all about this. He may have died a natural death, a seizure of some sort, and again he mayn't. They'll be here in a minute. Loriston presently found himself a passive spectator while a police inspector, another man in plain clothes, and the doctor examined the body. After hearing Eiskopf's account of what had just happened, he was aware that he was regarded with suspicion. The inspector somewhat brusquely bade him stay where he was. It would, indeed, have been impossible to leave, for there was a policeman at the door, in which, by his superior's orders, he had turned the key. And there was a general, uncomfortable sort of silence in the place while the doctor busied himself about the body. "'This man has been assaulted,' said the doctor, suddenly turning to the inspector. "'Look here.' He's not only been violently gripped by the right arm, look at that bruise, but taken savagely by the throat. There's no doubt of that. Old and evidently feeble as he was, the shock would be quite enough to kill him. But that's how it's been done, without a doubt. The inspector turned, looking hard at Loriston. Did you see anybody leaving the place when you entered? He asked. There was no one about here when I came in, either at the street door or at the side door replied Loriston readily. The whole place was quiet, deserted, except for him, and he was dead when I found him. The inspector drew Eiskopf aside, and they talked in whispers for a few minutes, eyeing Loriston now and then. Eventually, they approached him. I understand you are known here, and that you live in the neighborhood, said the inspector. You'll not object if the surgeon goes around with you to your lodgings? You'll no doubt be able to satisfy him about your respectability, and so on. I don't want to suggest anything, but you understand? I understand, replied Loriston. I'll show or tell him anything he likes. I've told you the plain truth. Go with him now, directed the inspector. You know what to do, Iskoff. Half an hour later, when the dead man had been carried to his room, and the shop and the house had been closed, Milky Rubenstein, who had come in while the police were still there, and had remained when they had gone, stood talking to Zilla in the upstairs sitting-room. Melky was unusually grave. Zilla had already gathered that the police had some suspicion about Loriston. "'I'll go round there and see what the detective fellow's doing with him,' said Melky. "'I ain't got no suspicion about him, not me. But it's an awkward position. And them rings, too.' Now, if he'd only assure him to me first, Zilla. See? Do go, Melky, urged Zilla tearfully. Of, of course. He'd nothing to do with it. Oh, I wish I'd never gone out. Melky went downstairs. He paused for a moment in the little parlor, glancing meditatively at the place where the old man had been found dead. And suddenly his keen eyes saw an object which lay close to the fender half hidden by a tassel of the hearth-rug. 
and he stooped and picked it up a solitary stud made of platinum and ornamented with a curious device end of chapter four